Welcome to Machine Learning. So, yesterday, in an attempt to analyze the uh, uh, performance, I used uh, Pearson to check for um, p-value, calculate the p-value. And uh, so you use the bootstrap permutation, um, and then you feed that into your Pearson, and then you you compare that against your your average and do a count and see if it's significant. And uh, so, you know, if it uh, is a really small value, then uh, it's the p-value is a really small value, then it uh, means that there is correlation, I believe. Um, I get a little confused on that that uh, hypothesis. If, if a large p-value means that it's correlated or not, but uh, we'll look into that more. But uh, what they found was that they were doing these swim lanes, and the, some of the racers said that they were they felt like a current that they were swimming against a current in those outer lanes, and so they felt like that their times were slower because they were swimming against the current that it was going uh, counterclockwise and so the current would be moving faster along the edges uh, than in the center. I'm not really sure why there would be a current. It's like uh, some sort of circulation of the water or something and they were swimming against that current and uh, so they were getting slower s s swim times. But you would think, okay, if you got slower swim times going one way, then you would get faster swim times going the other. But in the case where they were looking at the statistics, uh, they were looking at the 50 meter, which was uh, one split. And so they were like, well, okay, so let's do a comparison of the slow lanes to fast lanes. And so we used the Pearson to calculate that. And, uh, and we got this statistical significance from the Pearson and then we did our comparisons for the p-value, and uh, we concluded that there was no uh, no hypothesis, meaning that the the their, the lanes on the outside were not uh, uh, necessarily slower than the ones that are in the inside, due to some sort of uh, of uh, of current so I found I thought that was interesting where the data did not support the claims like someone observed something and they said oh well, we observed that there's this current in the pool and that's why we're swimming so slow you know it was more myth than it was real and I think that's an interesting principle of statistics is a lot of times you're going to be going against uh, what people believe they haven't studied the data. They don't know the uh, p-values. They haven't uh, done the null hypothesis. And so you're going to be going against this current, uh, per se. And uh, and how are you going to swing their opinion uh, based on data? It's going to be interesting. You know, there's like in, uh, in business, there's rules of thumb where people are doing things a certain way. What if statistically doing things that way is very inefficient? And you can show by your uh, null hypothesis that there's a better way to accomplish something. 
how are you going to make those decisions based on data and um, and then change the company culture so that it, it can adjust to uh, knowledge or decisions based on on data well we're you know we're gathering more information than ever IOT is uh, making a significant difference in the amount of data we're collecting we're putting up sensors uh, we're tracking movement frequency occurrence we're getting a much better picture of our environment and the things that are going on around us uh, we're seeing when things flow rates are increasing we're learning about uh, navigation risk um, all these types of things can be predicted with AI and um, uh, you know they're being incorporated into corporate companies that are now providing these sensors and uh, gathering the information and starting to analyze uh, the data from the data lakes. So you can use PySpark, uh, Hadoop Hive, you know, to pull the data and then you start to analyze it. And then what are, what are the conclusions, you know? What if we know that at certain times of the day there are probabilities increase the risk of traffic? Do we divert away from those areas because of the chance of uh, accident? Like, uh, for example, uh, I, I, um, I, I don't know where I got the data, but I was, I was driving this one road and I had seen some data that there was a certain area where there were high frequency of accidents. And the reason why I believe that there are high frequency of accidents there is because it was like, a, it was Bangor Highway, you know, high speed freeway, you're going 50, 60 miles an hour, and then you come to a stoplight. You know, it's the craziest thing in the world. You've got a high speed freeway that has a stoplight in there. Uh, bad, bad design. Why they didn't think about how to get out uh, uh, outlets instead of, you know, stopping. I, I don't know, but it a, was a bad design to interrupt the flow of motion. And uh, uh, and so what would happen if, if people weren't paying attention is they'd be moving along really fast and all of a sudden the lights change and they would run into each other. And so there was a, there's just certain areas, maybe due to the time of the day, the sunlight, the curve of the road, billboard distractions, uh, number of lanes on the freeway, condition of the road, like if, uh, you know, there are potholes and stuff. Um, also, the weather conditions. Was it rainy? Was there overcast? Was it uh, sunny? Um, and all these factor in to the risk factors for uh, accidents. And so you, you, would, you would think that uh, maybe there would be some AI that uh, is watching up ahead uh, when the the uh, the road conditions are changing and uh, as the road conditions are changing maybe it's uh, sending up uh, alerts to people's PDA device that you know the the, what, the roads are slick um, maybe it's telling them that uh, there's um, uh, accident ahead uh, or that, that maybe it's warning them that the light's about ready to change and it, it beeps to them that uh, the light's about ready to change gives them an audible sound. Now why we aren't fit funneling these uh, into apps is uh, beyond me, but uh, I think that we need to change that. That needs to become a higher priority. Smart navigation needs to be a higher priority, especially when you're looking at self-driving cars and 
the future of automation with Waymo and Tesla and there's a lot you know other self-driving cars that are are uh, now coming to market and soon you'll have you know driver assisted but the the driver assisted is not nearly as good as uh, fully self-driving vehicles the full auto uh, autonomy reduces accidents I mean there's always a possibility with driver assisted that you're not paying attention you ignore the driver assisted uh, warnings and you and you're in an accident and uh, you know the driver assisted doesn't prevent you from an accident now it's interesting with the Tesla um, it does have uh, avoidance uh, object avoidance and I did see one where it looked like they were, the Tesla was going to collide into the car and it diverted its uh, car in a split second away from it and uh, avoided the accident. So the car is doing very fast calculations and it could adjust very quickly, faster than a human being, and, um, and it avoided the collision. So, you know, you can make the argument that you don't trust a, an FSD vehicle to make the right decisions. But it's it's making its decisions based on statistics, and again, that's why where uh, I was just talking about, you know, when when we get a culture that trusts the data based on decisions based on data, and uh, you know, we will have to analyze the data and see if the algorithm was correct or not, and uh, if the algorithm is correct and the data is supports the decision, then we uh, you know we have these forensics where they can understand, you know, how these decisions are made. And so you have observable AI, which is explaining, or explainable AI, which is explaining these decisions almost like a dialogue or a conversation. And uh, that, that will be the requirement uh, in the future as, as uh, we will hold uh, AI accountable for its decisions. But uh, to argue that the statistics are not valid is is really not a, a good argument. It's a weak, in the sense that's like trying to argue mathematics is not a good way to quantify things. You know, it's the language of measurements, it's the language of change. Um, you know, now the question is, is if you had ten trajectories and the machine chose one trajectory and it resulted in an accident, why did it choose that trajectory? And then you might have to evaluate the, the model uh, <clears throat> that the, the machine was using for making that decision. And then improve the model and improve the accuracy and improve the, reduce the accidents. And so that's the world that uh, we're moving towards is, uh, is uh, you know, kind of this automated world of, uh, of interaction where we want to interact and, get, and gather our, the results of data and we want to know uh, what, what, what type of things are going on around us. Um, at one time I thought about building an, a system where uh, it's just a, an open system and whenever there's a, you know, an event occur, you, know, you could uh, hold your phone up and it would take 15 seconds and record that event and then put it up in the server, classify it, categorize it. And then you know, like if there's an accident, you've got real-time feed into event that's around you you know you can have events that are going off that uh, uh, crime you know if there's see you see a crime you you take your phone you you video it and uh, you got 15 seconds of crime footage uh, 
if there's a you know a, a physical event like a windstorm and something blows off, you know, you could take a picture of that, and the people might uh, you know realize that uh, they're flying debris in certain areas. Uh, you know, this closer thing of uh, social interaction it seems to be uh, for good and bad. You know, flash mobbing that's bad, obviously. Uh, correlation of uh, events that could be uh, impactful that's probably good uh, there even some restaurants that are mobile now uh, where they put up uh, where they're going to be in what part of the town like maybe Korean barbecue truck and it'll say I'll be at this location at this time and then so people are looking at that following it and then they go over there and uh, they get the um they get the barbecue as a result of that. So uh, we uh, we live in a world where there's lots of data, and uh, we're we're hoping that uh, the data will be uh, able to help us support making good decisions. Well, you know, statistical analysis is really quite interesting because it it. Uh, it, it does have a lot of setup that you end up doing. Like I, I have to do a lot of querying to get my data into the form I needed. I had to think about the proper questions to ask. And then when I was able to ask those questions, uh, it was interesting the story that the data taught, told. And so there's actually a story that's communicated. And then what does that story, how do you present that story? And then who's going to look at that to analyze uh, what the uh, impacts might be on on that organization as a result of understanding the data and the trends that are in or in the data so you know and again going back to the the mutant zebra fish uh, with a defect in the um, genes that led to a melatonin uh, lack of melatonin production and uh, this was uh, something that uh, uh, um, they could see by the bout lengths how long the fish was active. And, uh, you know, my wife was telling me about this other gene defect that uh, this man has. It's pretty rare, but he has these growths on his body, and they look a lot like a tree knob. And they'll just grow at different parts of his body, but they cover all of his body, and uh, they don't know what causes it. Uh, they do know that it's a genetic defect that causes, uh, that is the responsible, but they don't know why that genetic defect results in these growth knobs. And uh, um, some of them are painful, and some of them aren't. And you know, you look at the human body and the biology behind it, I'm, I'm really quite amazed. It's such a complex system uh, that all the things that could impact your health, uh, by, uh, bacteria, viruses, uh, genetic defect, uh, injuries. I know I've got some injuries that I still carry around. And, you know, they, uh, uh, the, these type of things uh, impact you for, some of them for a lifetime. Um, and, uh, you know, as we're studying more on biology and we're getting more knowledge, 
uh, how does all that information translate to the average person? Are there going to be more uh, documentaries that uh, uh, share with us the impact of how biology is changing? I've, you know, I've talked about biotech a little bit and uh, how they're using AI to solve some of the hard things like protein folding. But what happens when uh, AlphaFold announces that they have predicted 200 million protein folds and they're opening a database up for usage from science for these uh, predicted protein folds. How will the systems then start to integrate with this data and then what will come of this knowledge? You know, we're, move our, we're moving at such a fast pace right now with uh, uh, understanding the world around us, complex uh, problems. Uh, how will that impact impact us and uh, and uh, why why is it significant at the same time you know we have things where it seems like we're kind of moving into artificial stupidity you know we keep saying well we're going to have all these great things these generalized AI solutions but in real reality we only have narrow AI and uh, very narrow AI to very specific problems and these problems have to be uh, staged and prepared and lots of discovery uh, before we can even uh, attempt to start to answer some of those questions. And then we have the vastness of the group. We have so many exchanges going on. How do we bring these ideas in, into uh, focus so that uh, different groups are working, you know? How did AlphaFold get started? Well, AlphaFold got started because Google said they wanted to try to solve a 50-year problem in biology. And, uh, you know, how did uh, Google decide that they wanted to do that? You know, did they form committees? Did they get uh, uh, some rich uh, uh, funders that said, hey, we want to solve this problem? Uh, what was it that uh, drove the change, uh, the need for change? And, uh, and those were our questions that, you know, uh, we need to, to think about as a group is how do we facilitate the need for change, you know, and so that we get these uh, impactful things that can help people alleviate suffering and improve their health and make for a happier life.